We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Transformative Principle, Episode 67 with Michael Santos. In this episode, I am very fortunate to have Michael Santos as my guest. He is an amazing individual who spent 26 years in prison. We're going to talk about how he decided to change before he got to prison, what he has done since he's been in prison, and he's only been out of prison for 18 months. And you may think, why am I talking to an ex-felon on a podcast for principals? Well, here's the thing. Michael has now decided that he is going to create a podcast for those who are incarcerated to help them figure out how to change their lives for the better to get out of um, prison or once they get out of prison. And you're going to love what he says. The implications for, for educators are just huge after talking to him. If you'd like to listen to his podcast, go to michaelsantos.com slash podcast, and you can see what he's doing there. It's pretty impressive. I hope you enjoy this. I learned a ton. I know you will also. Welcome to the Transformative Principle Podcast, Michael. Um, I'm very happy to have you. Um, today I'm interviewing Michael Santos, and Michael, will you tell us um, just a brief history about who you are and what you're doing right now? Absolutely. First of all, I want to thank you and your audience for giving me this opportunity to contribute. I am currently in Newport Beach, California, but for the past, well, really, for a long time I was incarcerated. I made some bad decisions in the, during the kind of a reckless transition between my adolescence and adulthood. Uh, after really being influenced by a movie that many of your people in your audience may remember was Scarface from mm-hmm. the 1980s. I was a 
just coming out of my teens and early 20s, I saw the movie and thought it would be exciting to pursue that type of a career. Moved to, or rather a scheme, I guess, not rather than a career. I moved to Miami from my home in Seattle where I grew up and found a supplier that would provide me with cocaine. I coordinated a, a group of my friends from high school who were also kind of, you know, kids that were just pursuing a fast life, fast, easy life, making bad decisions. And we began transporting that cocaine from Miami to our home in Seattle. Uh, as a because of my really, I would say, uh, lack of understanding of the law, I was believed that if I didn't touch the cocaine, I wasn't really breaking the law. So I kind of coordinated, coordinated it. So other people were driving it and other people were trend were storing it and distributing it locally. And as a consequence of that, as those people started to get arrested after about a year and a half, they, uh, they started to testify against me in order to save their themselves from lengthier sentences. They, um, as a consequence, I was charged, but I was charged as being the leader or the kingpin of the, of the crime. And uh, I was facing a sentence of life without the possibility of parole, despite the, despite there not being any, any violence or weapons. We were all just suburban kids that uh, thought we were, well, we were, we were involved in, in a crime that we just didn't appreciate the magnitude of severity it was in the, in the country. And, and it was just at the start of the war on drugs. But at the time that authorities arrested me on August 11th, 1987, I wasn't ready to accept responsibility for the bad decisions that I had made. And I was more willing to listen to what my lawyer told me. And he was telling me that for the right amount of money I could win. And there was a big difference between an indictment and a conviction. And that was really all I wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. So I, I continued to make a series of bad decisions, uh, pleading not guilty, uh, taking the stand and perjuring myself on the stand. And the jury rightfully convicted me of every count. So I was uh, facing this sentence of life without the possibility of parole, locked inside of a county jail, and really just questioning at that moment. That it, was, it wasn't until after my conviction that I just recognized what horrific decisions that I had made. And I recognized this isn't what I want for my life. And it was at that moment that I just had this transformation and I can tell you what it brought it along or, you know, I just want to serve your audience. So I've been speaking for a while, but that's basically what, what began my journey of 9,500 days okay. in the Bureau of Prisons. 9,500 days in prisons. That is a long time. That's 26 years, right? A little bit more than 26 years. That's correct. Um, so that is... <laughs> That is an incredibly long time. And to come out and be positive and sound like you um, like you really have changed your life and want to be a different person now is is incredible. You you said a little bit ago that you you were suburban kids. Um, were was there an exposure to drugs in your house before or an exposure to violence? Was was that something that you grew up with? Well, no, I, I, I didn't. I grew up in, a, in an area where I had every opportunity to be a good citizen, but I was always draw, drawn to a fast life. And so I hung around 
kids that were involved with drugs and gangs and you know gangs weren't as big of a problem in society 30 years ago as they are today but there was always a, a, an element of of kids who were who were disobedient and mm -hmm. you know unrepentant and really just didn't have a, a clue with regard to how the decisions that they were making today could lead to their future you know they didn't I didn't see that. I didn't look at the future. I looked at today. I was in, I was I was constantly in pursuit of immediate gratification. And despite the efforts that teachers made to try and influence me, or coaches made to try and influence me, or my parents made to try to influence me, it was always the the fast life that attracted me and the easy way out. Mm -hmm. And and so I, I made a series of bad decisions. And it was really just that that movie that. Because I wasn't even involved with drugs, it was just I saw this opportunity to drive fast cars and be with hot chicks and have spending cash, and and I thought it was I just looked exciting to me, um, and and I pursued it in a in a big way. I just you know made some inquiries, found out what the price of cocaine was, and found out what other people were paying because I hung around in this element of of bad kids. And not only kids, by that time I was 19 years old and 20 years old. So these, we were adults and we absolutely knew better. I just, I, I can't provide any excuse for what I, what, what drove me at that moment. At that, at that time in my life, I was just driven by saying, you know, how can I do this without getting caught and yeah. made a series of bad decisions? Yeah. So what, what I find interesting about that is that there wasn't like, you know, you didn't come from a family where everybody was doing that, but you were drawn to a a lifestyle or a perceived lifestyle that was easy, that was um, fun and fast and carefree, and you didn't have to think about consequences. Um, and that's a strong draw for anybody, right? You're, you're not you're not out of the ordinary. <laughs> you know, everybody would like things to be easy. I, you know, I, I meet people, and that's that's kind of the, that's a I suppose that's a big question. I, I would not say that that's accurate. I mean, most people choose to be good citizens. Mm -hmm. Most people choose to say, "I'm not driven by saying I'm going to be defined on the car that I drive or the watch that I wear or the clothes that I I'm going to be defined by being a good citizen, by being a good person." And you know, I was drawn by. I I have this maybe this insecurity in who I am, and so I need something else to supplement. I need people to see me as being the big man, and the big man is the guy who's driving uh, a Porsche. The big man is the guy who's got a thousand dollars cash in his pocket and, and paying the bill for everybody, and that's what drew me to have that that illusion that I was something other than I was that I. That, that maybe, well, other people who had more money than I had were better than I was, and, and I want to be like this. But I didn't want to. I didn't want to do the things that would help me get there in an organic manner, a, a manner that would allow me to derive a sense of self worth and pride. I just wanted to get there the fastest way that I could. And when I learned about drugs, that 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 was a possibility to put cash in my pocket quickly 
and drive a car quickly and participate in a nightlife quickly, I failed to recognize the relationship between what I was doing and the possibility of having steel handcuffs slammed on my wrists and taken into a cell that was going to feel as though the walls were closing in, the ceiling was closing in, they were going to extinguish my, really my spirit in my life. So I, it wasn't until I was actually prosecuted and I was sitting in a courtroom facing the sentence of life without the possibility of parole and I'm looking over to my left and I see, well, people like you, I suppose, and people like your members of your audience and they're dressed in a suit and tie and and I'm looking at them and they weren't much older than I was at the time. I was 23 and there were probably 27, 28 that people were prosecuting me and I just said, God, what a... What a bad decision I made. I, I, I could have gone to school. I could have could have been somebody like that. You know, fundamentally different. Mm-hmm. So I didn't I didn't come to that realization until I was in prison. But the reality is, most people choose a better decision. It, it is a it is a it is an insecurity or a, a, a mis misperception that there's another path. And I didn't follow that path. That path was open to me when I was inside of that jail cell and I had that transformation and during that awkward mo- awkward phase of time, a couple, couple of months between the t- day that I was convicted and the day that I was sentenced. Yeah. So talk about the transformation that you went through during that time and, and what, what led you to make, make you want to change. Absolutely. So I, I'll, I'll remember as clearly today as, as I, as I did back then, and that was, would have been back in 1988. I was locked inside of the Pierce County Jail. I remember being convicted and having the marshals lock me in handcuffs and drive me back to the jail. And, and I'm, and I'm realizing during that drive, I mean, it was only a couple of miles away from the courthouse, but it felt like a thousand miles as I'm just saying, my God, this is the rest of my life. I'm, I'm convicted. And I, get processed into the jail and it's you're moving slow because or you feel like you're moving and I felt as if I were moving in slow motion and I get walk up to the jail cell and you know the hours pass and you're locked in the cell and you know there's people playing cards and there's people watching television and it's loud and people at that time were smoking in the jail and I'm just just saying, my God, I, I don't want this for the rest of my life. What am I going to do? How, I don't want to be a criminal. Mm-hmm. And I knew that. But up until that moment, all I cared about was getting out of jail. I had no sense of remorse at all. I had no sense of redemption at all. I was a liar. I lied to everybody involved. I committed perjury on the stand. And a, some self-loathing sets in. And so you start to pray. You're in that environment and you start to pray. I started to Right? And ask God for some guidance, not not to get out, because I know I knew that that ship had sailed. I was not going to get out. I was going in for a long time. When I was convicted, now I knew that my lawyer had misguided me, and or rather, I I chose to listen and lead lead to. I, I chose to believe that I was, you know, just just making bad decisions. I just made bad decisions. Yeah. Can I can I interrupt you right there? Yeah. Um. That you were sentenced or going to be sentenced to life without the possibility of parole and you you we talk about you changing right but you couldn't really change uh much at that point in your circumstances you could only change what was inside of you um 
because you weren't going to be able to get out of prison in your mind that you were going to be there um, until you were an old, old man. And, and you got out earlier than your prison sentence was, but how did you, how did you do that? How did you say I can change even though I'm in this, this horrible environment that limits me and makes me not able to do the things that I want to do? How, how do you, how do you deal with that? So to be clear, I was facing a sentence of life without parole. It didn't mean I was going to get life. I had no idea what I was going to get, but the judge could have imposed a sentence of life. And there were no guns in my case, and I just couldn't comprehend, well, how could I get life? I mean, I don't, I don't understand. This was before our nation made this commitment to mass incarceration, or really at the dawn of that period of time. And I just didn't understand. So... What I'm just thinking in there is, oh, my God, I could be here for the rest of my life. And, and your mind starts to process that. And it squeezes the hope out of you. And, and, and through that squeezing and through those prayers, I begin just looking for some type of guidance. It's as if you're in a labyrinth. And you remember the story of, of Thesaeus, who ties the string around his ankle and, and, and walks in through the labyrinth. And that string is going to lead him back out. Well, that's what I wanted. I was trying to create some type of a string that would lead me out of the labyrinth in which I, to which I had sunk and say, how am I going to get out of here? How am I going to do it? And I, through those prayers, I, 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 it's going to sound, it might sound a little fantastic, but it leads me to this book cart. And in this book cart, I'm, I'm looking for something. But of course, in the book cart in the jail, what you're seeing a lot of a lot of Louis Labor and a lot of Daniel Steele. <laughs> I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I know I'm not going to find the answer there, and I'm not looking for entertainment. I am looking for this string that is going to lead me out of the labyrinth to which I have no way of getting out. And I can feel the Minotaur <laughs> coming after me, and he's going to devour me if I don't find my way. I. Uh, find this book. This. This really. This two-part book. It was an anthology. Of philosophy. The, the name, I'll remember, was A Treasury of Philosophy. There were two volumes, navy blue in color, gold etching around the, the binder. And they were so thick. And I remember picking them up and, and saying, I wonder what this is. And, I, and at that time in my life, I'd been such a lousy student, I didn't know what philosophy meant. So I, I take the books back to my cell and just start flipping through the pages. And I, and I come across this story of Socrates. And I don't know who Socrates is, but I'm, but he's in jail and he's facing, he's waiting for his execution. It's a story of Crito. The, I think it's called the Crito or, or something along those lines. But, I, but the first, the first lines of it, it's all dialogue. And the first lines of it is, what are you doing here, Crito? You're I'm in jail. Why are you here? And he says, Crito says, it's okay. You're, I'm going to get you out of here. And basically tells them there, you know, nobody wants you to die. We're going to support you in exile and, and lead you out. And jailer's going to open the door. And it's all going to be okay. And Socrates listens. And I remember, Lion, of course he's going to leave. I'm thinking to myself because that's all I want to do is leave. But instead, Socrates says, No, I'm going to stay. And Crito says, But but you're going to die. Socrates says, Yes, I'm going to die. And Crito says, But why would you do that? And Socrates says, Well. We live in a democracy, and we have to take the good with the bad. And I don't agree with these laws for 
which I've been convicted. But I've taken all of the good. I've taken the clothing, the, the food, the education, the protection from foreign enemies. And so I have to take the bad. In a democracy, we have the right to work for change laws that we don't agree with, but we can't break laws. And because I broke the law, I prefer to serve this sentence with my dignity intact. And that had the transformative effect on me that, that exists to this day. I remember lying on that concrete rack and putting my, weaving my hands behind my head and just staring at the ceiling and thinking about, my God, what, what did I do? How, how am I going to do this? And, and thinking, what can I do? How can I serve this sentence with my dignity intact? How can I become one with America again? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know where to turn for that answer. And so, you know, in jail, you're, 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 it is the fundamental opposite of what educators do. Instead of inspiring hope and a path to a better life, our system of corrections is exquisitely designed to extinguish that hope and to tell an individual there is nothing you can do. Just wait for the calendar, enough calendar pages to turn. But I wanted something more. And so I would, I just began asking questions of myself because there was nobody else to talk to. And I'm in that cell and I said, well, is there anything I can do, anything that would cause the world to see me as something different from the bad decisions that I've made that got me here? And I, I come across, well, yeah, there probably is, but what is it? What, what, what could I do? And so I start projecting into the future. I start projecting into a time when I would come across a, an educator like Jethro Jones. And I think, well, is there anything I could do? What would, what would Jethro Jones want me to do in the future? Someday I'm going to get out of here. I believe I'm going to get out of here. What would society expect of somebody who made the bad decisions I made when I was 20, 21? What, what would they expect of me? And I, and I come across with this three-pronged plan. And the first was, well, those people would expect me to educate myself. That's the first thing they would want me to do. And the second thing they would want me to do is to contribute to society in some kind of meaningful, measurable way. And the third would be if I could somehow, somehow build a support network of people who would believe in me. People I don't even know who they are right now. And I've got to find a way to make them believe in me. Then, then my life might be different when I get out of here. And once I, once I came up with that, that three-pronged plan, I now had my string that would lead me out of the minotaur, out of the labyrinth, that would lead me out of the, the, the voracious appetite of the minotaur and all of the demons inside I was living with. I said, this is going to be what's going to get me out. I'm going to find a way, and I don't know how, but I'm going to find a way to educate myself. I'm going to find a way to contribute to society, and I'm going to find a way to persuade at least some people to believe in me. And I don't even know who they are, and they don't know who I am. And I'm going to transcend these walls while I'm in this system, and I'm going to find people to believe in me. And that's, that became my, my transformational moment, and it guided me through each of the 9,500 days that I served. It empowered me. It gave me a set level of energy and discipline through every day that I served, and it, and, it, and it gave me the reason to avoid the volatility, the avoid the 
negativity, to reject the criminal lifestyle, and to focus, instead of running away from the criminal lifestyle, I was running toward the man that I wanted to become. Mm -hmm. Now, those that three-pronged plan is not just for a criminal serving time behind bars, but those are the things that we should be, we should all be focusing on. So those, um, those ideas to educate ourselves, contribute to society and build a support network are things that everybody should be participating in to help themselves turn into the man or woman that they want to be later in life. Um, and that's, well, that, that, amazing. that's the challenge. If I could just interrupt you for a second, Jeff, but that was the challenge. Had I received that message when I was in a student, when I was a student, had I understood that, I that I would have had a fundamentally different perception. I lacked the ability to see that. I lacked the ability to see that that was the path. And you are absolutely right. This is not a secret. Mm -hmm. It's a secret that I didn't get and that I suspect that many at-risk kids don't get. And so it's very important for us as American citizens who really want to build a better world to connect with every human being because every human being has the potential to become something great, to become a contributing citizen, yet some of us just don't get it. Yeah, I hope to help more people get it. And that's why I'm so honored for this opportunity to contribute to your program. Well, thank you so much. So you certainly did educate yourself. You received a bachelor's and a master's while in prison. You contributed to society by writing books and you built a support network by reaching out to people while you were still in prison to get help to, you know, learn more, become a better person, make positive connections um, and that is all amazing. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher, and please feel free to give us a rating on Stitcher Radio or on iTunes so that we can help spread the word about how much we're learning in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.